Uh, this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, and... The that... most notable of which includes a bin of small chickens at my feet. Five. Five chicks in the house, four chicks in a coop. I'll talk a little bit more about live streaming and where you can find that uh, later in the show. But the peeping you may hear is the chickens. It certainly is. Uh, hopefully it's not too, mu- too much past their bedtime. So They're chickens. I know. But they're young chickens, and I, I worry that they don't get enough sleep. Righto. Anyway, the other thing we want to mention is that we swear. Oh, yes. Uh, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, and that is why... Are the, we going to swear in front of the chickens? I work in this room, so it's that ship has sailed. <laughs> that ship has so sailed. All right. Uh, I don't think... Hold on, let me check my notes. I, I do not believe we have any... Uh, content warnings for this week's interview. Oh, cool. So, Other than, you know, our usual, there's a pandemic on... Yeah, I mean, I've got a note in here that says, content warning tattoos. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, I sort of know why, but I, I don't know why. Did we talk about how painful it is? We might have. Anyway, welcome to Productivity Alchemy, episode 149. Dun, dun, dun. The... Penultimate episode of year three. Next week will be the ultimate episode, and then we start year four. And we're going to start year four with a letters show. All right. Now, uh, does that mean that I interview you next week? That's correct. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. As a thing. Exciting. Uh, we because I've got I actually have a lot of big changes since last year. This time last year, so we're gonna do that. Uh, in the meantime, um, I just had a four-day work e- weekend. Yes. Work. Uh, we've been doing shut-it-down days to help everybody's like mental health, where we just have a- an extra company holiday once a month. Which um, is really cool of them to be able to do. Yes, it is. Uh, this past Friday was like our third. Uh, the second one, one was in April. The second one was May 1st, which is also Labor Day everywhere but the U.S. and Canada. Uh, but we all got it off, which was really cool. Uh, we had, and then the Friday before Memorial Day here in the States and Canada, uh, we got that day off. So that was a four day weekend. Uh, the next one's coming up in June. So, uh, there's that. And, uh, it, it was nice. I mean, I was on call in a messy one. And messy in terms of hours, Friday night, Thursday, well, Friday morning, Thursday night. But that was okay. I got up and I went back to, or when I was done, I went to bed. It was one of those, at the moment, the moment I started on call, there was an alert that I needed to take care of. And that took about half an hour. So I hung around for a little extra time. I'm like, okay, probably going to settle down now. I'm going to crawl myself off to bed and maybe see if, and there it went again. Yep. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay up for my 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. shift, and I'll go to bed after I uh, release the chickens and start the stream and all that stuff in the morning, which is exactly what I did. Uh, I did not get as much sleep as and you know I needed, but in the end, it, it worked out. Uh, and then yesterday, I helped raise Shepard's yurt. Yes, you went to a yurt raising. I went to a yurt raising. I was mostly going to uh, 
transition between some friends I had coming who had not met Shep, as well as uh, document. And that's when Shep got word that the truck hauling the yurt had hit a pothole and dropped, basically ripped the uh, gas tank. I don't know if it was completely off or just tore a big old hole in it, but it was... It was not great. It was not great. Saw the trail of gasoline, saw the puddle of gasoline where they stopped off the highway, uh, smelled it, watched them not be able to start it when I got there to move it out of the way so I could take your truck, yes, hook it up to the trailer, and drive everybody to Dog Skull where we then proceeded to, two hours later than anticipated, start unloading and building a yurt. But thank heavens for the truck and you being on the spot. Yes, and we also uh, finished up like by eight p.m. So it takes approximately nine hours to build to to assemble a yurt, a big yurt. This thing is not tiny. No, no, it's a it's, thirty thirty foot uh, uh, diameter. Yeah, and the acoustics inside of it are the most amazing thing. Very unexpected on that. Um, had several friends come out. I want to thank everybody, some of whom will probably be appearing on the show in year four. Woo! I'm excited about that. Uh, otherwise, I spent a lot of time with the chickens. I spent a lot of time working on chicken cam. Yes, you, uh, have, you have set up streaming for chicken cam. I have, and it's automated start and stop. So it starts not long after sunup, when most of the chickens are getting up, and it shuts down uh, about now. Hold on, let me look at the... No, it, it claims it's still going, but uh, it should stop any time now, because it's, it's way past outdoor chicken bedtime. And uh, uh, so there's that, twitch.tv slash ksunny. I'll, I'll be linking that in the show notes. Uh, and the nice thing about all the automation work is I'm about halfway done on an opensource.com article based on all the tools I used to set it up, which will be very exciting because um, the tools I used to put it together... Uh, one OBS for the streaming and then uh, an application called Node Red for the automation are both very popular reads. And so I'm taking two very popular things and saying, use them together. And so it should be very cool when it comes out. And we'll see if my, uh, what my editor thinks when I'm done. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Things are, are rarely wasted. Yeah, no, no. I've got um, a lot of the stuff I've been doing with automation and putting it together and, and all that sort of thing, all of that sort of coming together at this point. Um, and uh, as more than one guest has said, auto automate things to make your life easier. And so I'm just doing what I do um, and works. Um, I'm not going to say busy. Uh, I'm going to say active. Uh, there's a difference between busy and active like, busy is there's a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be doing, but it may not be important. It's just keep busy. Uh, active is here are things that are targeted to work on. They require some focus and some thought, and I'm really enjoying that. Good, good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's that's that. How was your week? Uh, I'm trying to remember my week. Uh, I've been, I spent a lot of it doing edits on, uh, this book. Uh, it was Sergei, the second round Sergei, of edits. Sergey, stop standing on that key. Thank you. Sergey, move. Sergey. Oh, fuck. Sergey. 
See, Sorry. we told you, animals and swearing. Uh, is it all still going? Oh, yeah. Uh, I worked on edits for this book. I did a lot of gardening when I could. It rained a good bit, so I wasn't able to do as much as I'd like. Uh, oh, God, it rained so much. Yeah, and it's going to start raining again tomorrow. Yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, so... I've been sort of alternating. I would work. I would putter in the garden. Days I couldn't work, I would... Or days I couldn't garden, I would work some more. But, uh, I mean, and edits are work, and it's been easier to get edits done lately than to write new stuff, but... Yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. you know, tomorrow, since I finished this bit and sent it off, uh, I guess technically I would get tomorrow off as a, yay, I finished a thing, but having just had a four-day weekend, that feels sort of indulgent. Um... Uh, yeah. I guess that's fair. And... I, I almost gave you the look, but I think that's fair. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see what I can get done. Um, and... I've been having... I had... Well, not been having. I had a... Uh, I was ha really... I couldn't do the yurt raising. I, you know, wanted yeah. to go and help. But the... Even though I'm able to go to the store just fine, all of those things don't bother me. Uh... Being around that many people and having to be in a the combination of of group of people and having to be like social with all of them like right. it, it wasn't even so much just the plague thing there was a little bit of plague, but like having to be social and to a certain extent uh host kind of thing yeah like i don't host ever no. anything if i can avoid it yeah just uh i started having a panic attack and i was like is this a panic attack it feels like a panic attack we were all pretty much yeah that that sounds an awful lot like a panic attack yeah and it was uh i am i panic attacks for me are not like i'm freaking out oh god you know whatnot i'm always like am i having a panic attack is this what this is? I don't think I'm having a stroke. Right. Huh, maybe I'm having a panic attack. Uh, I am perhaps not the person most in touch with their emotions. Um. <sighs> <laughs> Kevin now is giving me the look. Um, and I just, yeah, and I don't know if it was plague and, you know, sudden mega uh, introvert hell or what, but just couldn't do it and uh, felt guilty about it. But, you know, I was like, hey, I can't actually do this. And, uh, and it was fine. Uh, they, they had plenty of people. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. And you get people like Kevin and Shep who are like, thank God I get to see people I have not seen, I have not been living with for ages. Yay, this is the best. And uh, whereas I'm just like, oh, God, people. Uh, and and uh, you were... Sergey, really? God, there goes my water bottle. Um, and you were resentful of it. Yes, yes. I, I uh, like many people, I resent being crazy. Um, <laughs> it annoys me. Like, it's not... What bothers me about this sort of thing is not the fact that I'm panicking. Whatever. I'm panicking. Who gives a shit? These things happen. I resent it. I, it makes me feel dumb and like and and nuts. I, I the worst thing about being crazy is how often it makes you feel crazy. And uh it's like it's <laughs> Can I give them the money quote? Yeah, sure. The the uh, there was a point where you were like 
this this isn't happening. Why is this happening? And I looked at you and I said, look, we don't get to pick our traumas. No, what, what, what I was saying, what I said, probably the real money quote was me saying, when I said this was a generational trauma, I didn't mean me. Right. Yeah, that, that was it. And then I replied with, we don't get to pick our traumas. Yeah. The funny thing about it was that when... Ten minutes later, Shep came in to see if I was okay, and I said, when I said the same thing, when I said generational trauma, I didn't mean me. And she said, well, we don't get to pick our mental health issues. I'm like, God damn it. Right. Uh, but, and I think that, but I think that's a, an important bit of awareness, is we may not recognize that we're being impacted by something until it's looming in our face, over our shoulder, yelling in our ear. Lord knows it took me, what, three random meetings before I realized that perhaps you were a person I might need to pay attention to? It was three meetings in one week when we had never met before at three separate events. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if that that's really quite the same thing as like a, a not discovering one is is nuts, but uh, or so much as the finger of the universe jabbing you in the brain. <laughs> but how is it in terms of conceptually? All right, in in terms of the roots, yes, the finger of the universe jabbing me in the brain is very different from you finding you suddenly have a. Uh, a phobia or uh, an issue because of the pandemic. On the other hand, it took how many jabs in my brain to get it through? How many, how, how long have you been skirting that edge before the, it jabbed in? Uh, I haven't at all. Cause we haven't had any events like this. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah all right. we, so there, yeah, there it is very different. Any, yeah, like yeah. get, you know, and even with everyone, social distancing mm -hmm. and wearing masks and, you know, being very good. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, uh, and the thing is, I still don't know if, it was fear of pandemic exactly, or if it was, I have been, I have not extroverted in months now. Right. And I am not an extrovert. I can play one on, you know, the stage. radio on, or yeah. on stage at conventions. I can fake it really well for about, you know, three days and then yeah. I die. Uh, and then, then you need to hide. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's... Uh, and it's not even that I don't enjoy the interactions because I do. It's it's just like I'm role playing Ursula as extrovert, and and it's you know all the stuff I do during that is frequently great. It's just apparently I went to the the closet to pull out the Ursula as extrovert costume, and it wasn't there. <laughs> right. It and the the thing is, this is fixable. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, and and I think it was it was not so much a like this is a massive block so much as it was a perfect storm of too many people, lots of whom I don't know, for a prolonged period where I was going to have to be sort of hostess hosting in an extent, and I just you know uh, after months of isolation, and my brain was just like, yeah, can't actually handle that. And uh, one, that's fine. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Uh, these things happen. Uh, the second thing is that, um, as I was explaining to you at the time, uh, and in that it's fixable, is that this is one of the responses that is going to be very common, I think, moving forward. And there are 
things being done, uh, in particular, a former guest of the show, Michelle Wexelblatt, is working with a volunteer organization that she works with regularly on uh, therapy protocols to sort of head this off before it becomes debilitating, debilitating. Yeah. And I'll have more on that as it comes out. Uh, the interesting thing about this is often these protocols would involve an office visit. So they're having to, to figure it out around uh, virtual. Oh yeah. Yeah. As, as well. So I find it fascinating that there, there are already techniques for that and that now we're having to adapt them and maybe, and, and maybe not on the scale we're having to adapt them now. I think, uh, and in my particular case, like, I, I think, like, I could, once the pandemic is over, at the moment, anyway, and I won't say I won't get weird as hell in another six months, depending on how long, or, you know, however long this takes, uh, I could go sit at a coffee shop, and I would probably be okay, because I would not have to have interactions with lots of people. Right. And I could, you know, but I'm definitely not going to go from getting the all clear to I'm hosting a party tomorrow. Yeah. Mind yeah. you, I never host parties anyway because that's my personal idea of hell. So right, whereas I'm turning 50 next year and I'm starting to itch for a birthday party or a blowout of some sort. Yeah, so, uh don't know how that's going to work. No, well, you set up what you want to and uh let me know the date and time. That's pretty much what I was planning on doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's I I understand <laughs> how this works at this point. Yes. Um it's it's also interesting in that I'm like I know most of these people I know they are generally responsible. Uh, I can, you know, I can interact with them. I can extrovert on them. I can't go to the fucking grocery store. Yeah. Whereas I have no problem. Grocery store, feed store, hardware yeah. store. I, I get both the heebie-jeebies and the mad urge to start screaming at people at the grocery store. For not wearing the mask. For, for not wearing the mask. Not doing the right runway down the cart. Or yeah. wearing the mask wrong. Or... Not respecting social distancing, or as I retweeted yesterday, for blocking the damn aisle. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I would already makes me want to punch people in the grocery store without a pandemic. So, you know, that person who just rolls up, parks their cart, and then like diagonally so that you can't really get another cart passed, and then stands in the middle. So you can't, and then you're like, excuse me, and they're like, oblivious. And it, it, yeah. It, it, it is one of your pet peeves. It is. Like, Lowe's Home Improvement, yeah, I get a little testy, but the aisles are so fucking big that it's really easy to avoid people who are being a problem. Yes. So it's, it's, it's very different. I don't know. And, uh, it still yeah. gives me the heebie jeebies after too long but yeah and whereas i i won't say that it's not a problem going grocery shopping i do have to be sort of hyper vigilant i can do it and that's all you do that day. that's usually most of what i do yeah. that day it's exhausting and every time i'm sort of annoyed with myself for being exhausted because i mean i'm just pushing a cart what the hell but uh it's it, it takes a lot yeah because you're just watching all the time and you can't you know just trust that nothing bad is going to happen to you in the right. grocery store like we normally do. You got it. It's 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 something. Yeah, and uh, but 
but going out in public doesn't bother me. I think it is, I think it is the, a large part of it was you are going to have to socialize with all of these people and make sure they have food and water and toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And I was just like, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. And that's fine. Yeah. Perfectly understandable. Yes. So, but, you know, other than that, uh, mm -hmm. I did what I always do in case of extreme panic, which is I took one of my uh, Vistaril, my sort of pill of last resort, and I went to bed. And that was it for you for the day. You yeah, were done. Yeah, that one really put me down, which was odd. It put me down a lot harder than it usually does. And I want to say that uh, possibly because... I've been taking the ADD meds. I think I have less of less anxiety sort of I mean it sounds weird to feel like like anxiety is a thing that builds up. But I, I, I but it kind of is. It kind of is. It, it's Yeah. Um like okay, if if you're if you're in excruciating pain and you take an opiate, it cuts the pain a little. If you're not in excruciating pain and you take the same opiate, it knocks you flat on your ass. Uh, the uh, yes, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and also I'm fairly opiate resistant and right. But in, in my case, it's yeah. like I was given opiates for my dental surgeries, and they knocked me down. They took away the pain and everything else. Yeah, he um, he would sort of amble out, clutching a coffee cup, stand there. For 15 minutes. Oh, that was when they gave me the stuff for the kidney stone. Yeah, that was a, whatever yeah. the hell that was. Well, the, I was, that was after the morphine, uh, yeah. the morphine the day before the morphine. Wow. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, but he, yeah, and he, and after about 15 minutes, he was like, I see how people get hooked on this stuff. And I'm like, yep. Uh, so the funny thing is, uh, for one of the one of my tattoos, I was like, you know what? I want to try this before this is incredibly excruciating spot. I believe it was my knee pit, and I, I had you drive that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I took it um, just before we started work, and when we were leaving, it was the pain was sort of there, but it was like I didn't have to pay attention, but I was still functioning, and I was just sitting there going. Oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. It's not supposed to knock me on my butt. I am perfectly functional. I should not drive, just on general principle. But everything else feels fine. Yeah. And yeah, so when they work the way they're supposed to, they're amazing. Whereas if I take one, the exact same pill, when my back has gone out, my back hurts a little bit less. Right. And I am I am exactly the same, pretty much, but my back hurts slightly less. But there's a tolerance to anxiety that's that's very yeah, similar. Yeah. And I'm wondering if what is happening, and this is purely speculation on my part, maybe this isn't how anything works, but it felt almost like normally when, and I haven't taken one of those since I started the, uh, the ADD meds, and the thing is I didn't take my ADD med that morning either, so it shouldn't have made any difference, but it's like I no longer have this huge built-up anxiety pool that the pills <laughs> right. are just dropping into it and sinking so you know i it completely put me down flat and like normally i'd have to take like two or three times this dose to just wallop me like that but i slept for like eight hours you know middle of the day mm -hmm. got up once made a sandwich went back to bed kind of thing yeah and and that's 
that's how those are generally supposed to work. Or if, I don't know if this one is supposed to work that way. Uh, well, it does to me. Yeah, but you're not anxiety ridden. Um, True. I was using a lower dose, and uh, it would, you know, after a point, it just was like I had to keep upping the dose to get any effect. And these aren't a habit forming drug. It was just they were not doing anything and this uh, took like a year and a half two years really. yeah, yeah yeah it I, wasn't I, like it was like it wasn't like a month after she got the first one she's like this doesn't work no more no um, no this is uh, yeah. and this is the thing that basically the the whenever i go in the doctor's like you're still taking this as needed and i'm like i take it when my mother calls <laughs> and she laughs and uh it's basically if i have a big anxiety attack right and so it's weird that this med suddenly works like triple strength. It used to, like, perhaps the fact that my ADD is no longer this, you know, the horrible nihilistic Tigger dynamo fueling my anxiety. Right. There is not as much free-floating anxiety there. And so it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a hell of a thing. Anyway, that was my week. Yeah. So, happier news. I mean, on the one hand, uh, because between... Um, an event with Sheep last week and uh, Raising the Earth this week. We haven't played D&D in two weeks. Alas, no. Alas, no. But um, Rick Hines, who we're going to talk to in just a minute, uh, writes D&D Adventures, runs a D&D for Kids program, has a metal uh, and... Uh, RPG sort of hybrid thing coming out. I'm really excited about it. And we're going to talk to Rick and find out more about that and how he stays productive right after this. I am here today with Rick, and Rick was recommended by Dana, former guest, who is awesome. And I, thank you for uh, for writing in uh, when when Dana said, "I know a guy." Oh, yeah, uh, that's you. Yeah, yeah, that, that is me. That is me. I suppose that's where I should talk now. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah. No, I, I'm Rick. Yeah, I was working a convention with her, and yeah. um, you know, we we hit it off and. I was telling her all the crazy stories about all the stuff that I have to do. And she was like, you need, you need to talk to this guy. And yeah. So, so let's, let's, let's ask that question. Like, all right, you're, you're, you're Rick. Can we do a better introduction? And yes. Actually so, talk about what you do. So which is the I awesome do, bit um, yeah. is uh, uh, by day, uh, you know, I'm just an electrician. Uh, I, I do electrical estimating at work and I run project management. But at night I write for uh, urban fantasy novels, uh, the seventh age series. Uh, the seventh age Dawn was the first book. It's sarcastic urban fantasy about the end of the world. Um, I also do a fair bit of writing for Nerdist or Geek and Sundry. I develop uh, RPGs for uh, 
you know, Wizards of the Coast. I've done mm-hmm. freelance writing for a lot of other game companies. If you roll dice, um, you know, I tend to have probably story told for it or uh, ran a game in that variety. And my big thing is talking about, you know, how to not suck at storytelling or how to be a you know good GM and GM tips uh, in and that aspect. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, have you seen the um, Eat the Rich collection? I have not. Of, of, not. Uh, it's on the DMs Guild. I just ran one of the scenarios for my group from it. And it's, it's, it's like a... Uh, set of adventures with a strong kind of social message. You're you're typing in right now. You're looking it up. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't resist. No, uh, no, no, no. It was, uh, it was, right. it was. It's great, and uh, uh, yeah. So there, there's your your free tip for for DMing. Uh, <laughs> So uh, that, okay, you know, that's like one of the biggest things that I do. I do this at conventions all the time. If anybody is like coming by or they talk to me, they're like, hey, um, there's this really cool thing you should check out. I'll be honest. I'm like, no, I I haven't seen it yet. And I will literally pull out my phone and I will type it into an internet browser and just set it up for later so that like I can go like, what was that one thing? So with all that going on and opening up your browser so that you don't forget later, I don't want to know how many tabs you have open right now. Um, <laughs> it, 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 two, two full Google windows for sure. Okay. Um, how do you keep, uh, productive and organized? So, uh, my problem is time, right? Time mm-hmm. is like my biggest, you know, uh, hurdle because there's not enough hours in the day. And, and somebody once told me, uh, they're like, you know, everybody wants to be a writer. Everybody wants to get involved in these projects. And they say something like, I just don't have the time to do it or I want to do that. And the, the key phrase for me was, it's never say that you don't have time. Just say that it's not a priority for you. Okay. Um, oh, uh, you know, it's not a priority for me to be a writer or it's more of a priority for me to binge watch, uh, you know, stranger things. Uh, the truth is, is that yes, sometimes it may be that priority for me to go ahead and do that binge watch. But once like, I had to give up a lot of like casual video gaming, like MMOs and, mm-hmm. and you know, very like deep, just sort of continual grind games in order to start, throughout my schedules that I realized if I wanted to be productive, um, I had to start making being productive priority. Right. And the biggest aspect that I found is I got into bullet journaling. Oh. And um, for me, like I kind of, uh, I, I got my whole, like, you know, on camera cause you know, we get to see each other, but I got my right. whole, uh, whole bullet journal with just months of notes and dates. Okay, so you're holding it up and uh, I have to say you have the coolest virtual background and the moment you hold it in front of your face it disappears into the background. Yep. It's like yep. holding up a green screen. It's yep. yeah, no, it's funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, what I do is every week uh, I have a, a whole year thing with all the months that I want to achieve certain major life events. Like I'm mm-hmm. going to finish my like sequel draft in you know August. I want to write this short story at this point, or I have to turn this game in here. And then I distill it down to everything down to a week. And every week, what I do every Monday, I mm-hmm. set up a time. Uh, it's from nine to 10 o'clock or it's whenever I wake up now because time schedules don't matter in the pandemic. Right. Uh, you know, so whenever I wake up and I'm having coffee, I will put on some music and I will just spend one hour writing down my to-do list for that week. And all of them are my objectives and they're all derivative of like the larger things on the calendar. 
mm-hmm. but it's everything that I have to do for something else. And okay. so like, you know, my, sometimes my lists get really long and, and overwhelming, but it is satisfying to like cross them off. Yep. And once I started doing that, if I couldn't get to a task, it mm-hmm. would have to be pushed to the next week. And then once you do that three times, you, you kill it. You're like, okay, it's not a priority to me. I got to be, gotta be yeah. honest. And that doing the handwritten, like not on a computer, not with like a, a Google calendar schedule that's going to shine up on the lights in me, just this simple handwritten journal helped me start keeping a bunch of different projects going. And I know it's come up because I'll be like, oh, what are you working on? Well, I'm, I'm writing my sequel. I'm, I'm in the middle of dev edits. I turned in a kid's novel. I have a whole campaign that I'm writing. I you know, managed to still work out you know, every week and still keep my day job. And by the way, I run a whole D&D for kids program. You right. know, and all of this stuff like floats together. Um, and then I will actually put in there binge watch Castlevania, you know, season three or something like that, right? Like it will get in there. Which, by the way, sorry, folks, holy shit, Castlevania season three. Right? That ending was... Oh, my... No spoilers, but yeah. No no, no spoilers. And, uh, and I follow, like, I've been following Warren Ellis for years. Like, Transmetropolitan... Oh my god, I love Transmetro. Um, his run on Hellblazer. Mm-hmm. Um and then his novels. And so when I heard he was doing uh when I heard they were doing Castlevania, I'm like, eh. and then I heard it was it was Ellis writing and producing, and I'm like, oh, I am so there. I am so there. Yeah, so um yeah, Castlevania season three, folks, if if you like horror even a little bit and even if you don't play the video games, I don't play the video games. Holy crap! Probably some Ooh. of the best writing on Netflix right now. So even if you, if for those of you who do play the games, I have like tattoos of Alucard and, and other stuff uh, on me. I'm a giant freaking nerd. But um, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a spoiler. But if you played the video games at all, if you've ever played Symphony of Night, there's a boss fight that is a giant teeming mass of bodies. Yes. Um, it, they make it appear in the coolest way that you could only do in an animated show, and it is a jaw-dropping sequence. It, All of season three is just worth it for that alone. You you think you kind of know what's going to happen, and then those last two episodes, just like, what the hell? It's um, yeah, I don't, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know if you read it, by the way. Um, and and Warren Ellis said the, said it on his uh, his feeds today. Uh, um, Scalzi did something similar with the Last Emperor, his latest novel. I haven't read. I'm actually reading Scalzi's. Um, I'm actually going through the uh, the, um, the the Ghost Brigade right now. Um, so oh, I okay. Old Man's, I, I did Old Man's War. I read that like uh, right. a little bit ago, and I'm I'm on the next one. So I'm I'm going through that series right now, actually. Right, so so this is this is the series after Old Man's War. Okay, this is the new Collapsing Empire series, and he nails the ending, and it is just no spoilers. But I was I was sitting there, and I'm like, how is he gonna? Holy shit, that's how he's going to pull it off. Uh, it was it was great, absolutely fantastic. Okay, now that we've nerded out about that, 
That was the nerd handshake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, making time saying I'm going to put binge watching as a priority and if, and, and following that bullet journal idea of if you have to push it off three times, I guess it's not a priority and either strike it or move it to the someday maybe list. Right. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing I learned was that let's say you have a week where you, you finish your bullet journal for me. Like this was another big discovery. It's like finish my bullet journal and mm-hmm. it's like Wednesday. That doesn't mean flip to the next week and then start trying to take things off that list because then you just end up burning yourself out and mm-hmm. like overloading yourself. It just means that, oh, you finished your bullet journal by Wednesday. Congratulations. You've had a productive week. Do whatever you want to do now. Um, Now's the time to binge watch that thing that you didn't think was a priority, but can be now. Right. You know? Um, and so that's, that's where I sneak in like, you know, my occasional like video game or like, you know, playing final fantasy or or league of Mm -hmm. legends, which I'll still dabble with. But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's, those are those like small moments, uh, Mm -hmm. that, that you get. And that's, that was a thing I, I learned really early on when I was doing this between, and I got all of this from project management work, right. Being in, uh, doing the electrical work and working in the construction industry is very, very time-based. My entire mm-hmm. career and everything I do is a hundred percent. You have this job due by this date. And mm-hmm. so you have to, you hit that. And so you backload every schedule into smaller fragments. Yep. And that's when I got, when I became a writer and I started doing this uh, writing aspect more and more, that's something that was very easy for me to translate over so it's worked out really well because I think in the past past two years, I think I've written and published over like 200, 300,000 words of content um, yeah. after they've been through all their drafts and everything else. And it's like, okay, this, this, is, this is working. This is, this is where, yeah, this system seems to work. Do you tune it at all? Do I what? Tune it. Tune it, yes. Um, so what I added into it was when I first started off just doing tasks and, um, you know, sort of your, your weekly schedule. Then I started adding in uh, Buddha quotes, you know, mm-hmm. or like quotes about, uh, you know, things that like, you know, this above all to thine self be true is like my, my quote today, <laughs> right? And... I started adding in these quotes and I started adding in things that I could be grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I found was very helpful to stop and pause and remember that we're still living life at the moment. We're not yep. facing ahead to some eternal unknown that the rainbow on the other end of the journey, you know, that the pot of gold doesn't really exist there because we're supposed to be going through that pot now. Right. And so the biggest tweaks I've made were to start really adding in small elements that would pause and get me to reflect about my day or something to have a thoughtful quote, which has been kind of cool to every day or every week I would sit on the computer and be like, okay, what, what quote am I going to pull out and think about today? You know, Shakespeare, mm-hmm. Buddha, you know. Uh, you know, just all kinds of like yoga philosophers or whatnot. There's this, there's a, you, there's even some fun Orwellian and like 1984 quotes. Oh yeah. (laughs) So, you know, my whole, you know, 180 pages of my, my journal so far is just now filled with with quotes. And those were some of the bigger changes I added in. 
I stopped doing um, social events that weren't scheduled. Okay. Uh, was one. Uh, uh, I was trying to uh, originally have like events, like, oh, hey, I was going to go um, out with uh, you know, my son and I were going to go out and do this thing. Like, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually not going to put that in there, um, mostly because I, I needed to have some aspects of my life just not tick for tatted. Yeah, the other thing I did, though, is I will add in, um, if I haven't talked to somebody in a while, or if I haven't had a friendship or somebody that I haven't messaged in a bit, I will start writing in there, hey, give you know, give Keith a call. Uh, Touch and, base and, with, yeah. Yeah, see what he's up mm-hmm. to. Um, and just so that with everything being so noisy in life, and when you are kind of mired into everything, it reminds you that, hey, we're still people. We still want to hang out. Like, so one of the things that me and my friends started doing was we decided that uh, my friend Tim, uh, he runs a cosplay facility, HDC Fabrication. Um, and my other friend, like Brandon Borgen, who does like crazy special effects props. And, and oh, cool. Like and we go to conventions all the time, but we see each other at cons time and mm-hmm. time again. And we used to be able to hang out. But since we both have real life day jobs and we are doing our side gigs and our passion projects at night, mm-hmm. um, there, is, there is no time for that. Hey, let's go out and see a movie. So what we did was like, no, screw this. We're going to schedule time. We don't even care if it's, you know, a month out uh, to wear top hats, drink whiskey and play, you know, board games uh, <laughs> while, uh, you know, discussing the finer lives and the crazy stories that we have. So we'll actually set up, like I'll put it in the bullet journal, we'll get everybody mm-hmm. there, that they put it in their journals. And it's something that we've started doing. And then those things become, you know, the Bible, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 build into it becomes a habit, and it's a it's a really positive one. Um, so those are some of the big tweaks that I, you know, I, I started doing. Um, I, now I'm going to ask the 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 tough question. Well, it's not a tough question, but I think the pertinent question: How has that changed given the current situation of the social distancing? So before I used to have fancy dates in my bullet journal. Now I've literally been counting down. I started off with dates mm-hmm. and then it, and then suddenly my journal started going pandemic week one, pandemic <laughs> week two, pandemic. I'm on pandemic week five now for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, my bullet journal has actually gotten smaller with tasks that mm-hmm. um, I want to do. Uh, obviously being in this situation has, has put a stress. Um, mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Because the one downside that I found is that because we're all working digital and remote, I am on the phone far more often. Yep. And the being on the phone and the constantly having work meetings and doing things remote, I'm fortunate and I'm lucky enough and I'm blessed enough that I can work from home. And I totally understand that privilege. Uh, the downside, and it's not a complaint uh, by any measure, but I have less time to actually do the math and the job that I need to do because I have more time uh, being able to to do Skype and phone calls and business meetings that we're going to talk about the project. Whereas before, if we were in the office, we would just quickly have it out in five minutes over a lunch phone call or mm-hmm. I, you know saw you down the hall or something. Whereas now it's, hey, do you have time? Let's log on. Let's talk about this project. And that adds generally about 30 to 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I find that I had to scrunch my my 
my calendar because the daytime stuff is is taking up more. Yeah, um, writing like writing wise, I know everyone thinks it's like oh, um, you know, for me it's been a it's been a big negative. Everyone, a lot of people I know like they're super happy that they're at home and they can write, uh, and it's that time to get those those juices flowing. I get my creative spark from wandering around downtown Chicago at three o'clock in the morning and watching you know, the shadows and, you know, being out in the seats. A lot of my settings for my books and a lot of where I get my crazy ideas are from being in, like, the deep underground tunnels or going into, mm -hmm. you know, crazy facilities and being like, man, this looks really cool. Imagine if, you know, this scene happened here. And... And Chicago's yeah. full of them, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so now being being at home... I have fictions that I'm writing, but I'm I'm finding that they're being they're slower to to come to, and also because I sit at my desk now all day mm -hmm. work, and then that's also the same spot I would have to write. Right. So I will admit I have to. And coming on this podcast reminds me of the thing I got to add to my journal. I have to go back to adding in my workouts as like a tempo beat to get up and get away from my desk, mm -hmm. so that I can maintain that. That's like, so I, otherwise my pandemic week five is just going to start, you know, <laughs> reading like something, something Rick's gone crazy, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, and, and as someone who's been working at home remote now for nine years, uh, building those habits is really important The get up and walk around the, um, even if it's just a social call, we have something, uh, my company called an always on, right? It's a room and we've got them kind of associated with either departments or Slack channels. Cause I mean, we're a distributed company. We had to figure this out years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just a room where people can go and hang out. Right. And have those sort of water cooler things. Like I'm just, I could just be sitting there working and the other people are sitting there working and somebody will say something and, Oh, okay. And it's, it's how we've built our own sort of virtual office because we have no office. And, mm -hmm. I could suggest that. Yeah. Um, the, the other strategy is, of course, that the half of my desk that I'm sitting at right now is my not work half. I have a, a since I work from home, I have a big ass sit stand desk. And the other half is my work half. So this is my not work half. This is where I do all the podcasting and recording from. And then I can just slide over there and be in work mode. And then when I'm done, I slide over here if I've got stuff to do on my lap, my other laptop. Hmm. Right. Right. I mean, I, I used to be able to go uh, take my Chromebook and mm -hmm. go write wherever I wanted to write. Uh, you know, I listen to music a lot. I'm at home a lot when I write, but mm -hmm. it was always different than my day job. Uh, yep. and there was always that separation. So I think I've still been very productive and I'm very happy with how I've been in the pandemic. But I do know that I could see this like train coming if, <laughs> if this if this continues not because my the biggest thing that's changed for me is my my sleep schedule has been less time, right yeah uh because if i was a night owl uh as a you know mm -hmm. pasty pasty goth kid of the 90s uh as as the night owl i always was now that i don't have to get up to go to work and be at the job site in the morning <laughs> right. uh, you know, that, that time, first it was falling asleep at, you know, 11 o'clock, then it was falling asleep at midnight, you know, then maybe pushing 1, 2 a.m., yeah. you know, and uh, so then I would still drag myself up to be at my computer for my morning meetings, 
but I definitely am not, haven't been necessarily as productive as, mm-hmm. you know, I should be. So now I'm, I'm re I've re-added back to my journal as of last week. Like for this week, I'm back to like, okay, practice sleep hygiene. You know, yep. uh, I'm going to, you know, take a shower at this time. I'm going to get ready for bed. I'm actually going to like read a book, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in bed away from screens, you know, so if my eyesight hadn't gone, uh, that would probably be me. Paper books have started to become a, a challenge. So I'm, I'm reading, but it's my Kindle. Mm. Oh, I uh, love my Kindle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not not the iPad, not my phone. Those get put away if I'm, if I'm reading at that time. Well, if I'm reading any time now, it's basically on the Kindle, the device that is made for reading so that I can read and not get interrupted constantly. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Um, but but I, I, I hear you because... Um, like the sleep hygiene thing is huge, and a lot of people haven't quite picked up on it yet. I I didn't realize just how bad that like I could potentially suffer from you know, insomnia uh, until mm-hmm. maybe maybe last November uh, when I just had too much stuff on my plate, my too many deadlines coming, mm-hmm. and my brain was always racing, and so I was going to bed and I just wasn't falling asleep, and then I would get up, and so I, I found I had to start working out like exercise to the point where I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. I was ready to come to bed and starting to practice sleep hygiene. I had to find and study all this stuff because if with a schedule as packed as mine is, Mm -hmm. the moment something gets out of whack uh, or something that gears go away, it's like a a car that doesn't just break down nicely on the side of the road. It will turn into a flaming vehicle (laughs) in oncoming traffic, right? Spinning and yeah, Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I was able to, I was like, okay, this is, this is working. And I felt a lot better and things were going um, a whole lot smoother for me. And then pandemic hits. And when that pandemic hit and everything gets, gets closed and we stay at home. And the first thing before here in Chicago, before we even went to social distancing and before there was a state mandate, the mm-hmm. facility I live in, closed all of the amenities, all of the gyms, all yep. the, you know, everything there. And so we were sort of ahead of the government orders. But when that happened, I was like, okay, well, you know, oh, this this might be a one week, two week thing. And <laughs> yeah. I was I was literally supposed to be on an airplane on my way to Chicago uh, the Friday after the order went down. Hmm. Uh, we had to uh, uh, I'm, I'm a member of the Dorsai Regulars. If you've been to WindyCon, you've seen us. Oh, the, I was at WindyCon. Uh, I've been coming the last couple of years because that's where we have our business meetings. So the guys with the black berets with the flag on the front, that's us. Yes, I know yeah. exactly uh, who you guys are. I've probably seen you in person. Uh, and didn't realize it. Yep. Yeah, um, but I we were having our annual event in Chicago. Right. And... Like, because we do our, our our own private con to do our annual business meeting, and guess what? Uh, all of a sudden, the whole thing is closed, and we have to do all that dance. I understand, right? Um, and you were two weeks ahead of that, and I think North Carolina was too, because um, it was it was it was quick, and it was even for me. I the adjustment was not so has has been. I don't leave home at all now. When it used to be, I would take my kid to school and back. And now I don't have an excuse to leave the house. Okay, I rephrase that. The property. I still leave the house. I'm not a shut-in. I go out to the chickens. I walk the dogs, all that stuff. Because we've got 
you know, we got the space, but I, I, uh, it's suddenly I didn't realize how much even that 30 minute, 45 minutes to the school and back, what a difference that made. Right. It does. Uh, I, I wanted to be, I, in the summer times I'll be able to ride my bike a Mm -hmm. lot more and I like mountain biking. Uh, so you know, that's just a thing that I would do. And in theory, I could still go to hit some trails. Yeah. Uh, what happened was, is I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to take my bike out. It's springtime. I'm going to go hit some trails. I go out to the trails. They are packed. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just, uh, I'm yeah. not. I'm just going to do my part. I'm just going to stay home. And I'm going to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I haven't gotten yet because I don't have the time. I It is not a priority for me to fit right. that into my life right now. And it's, it's definitely a, I would like to play it, but I cannot prioritize 80 hours right now. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, uh, that was one that was in my calendar since January. Since I knew <laughs> that was coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I made sure I finished a, a major project. I had been working on writing this, uh, this whole fifth edition campaign about warlocks uh, that were releasing this heavy metal band. And this, uh, I'd finished, I'd been working the past six months on that project before when that project came to an end, my deadline for that, there was a two week break period before <laughs> I had my next one. And all, there was nothing in that period other than ice cream and final fantasy. That, um, no, that's, that's fair. Um, uh, and, uh, that actually kind of brings me to the next bit. And we've talked about it a little bit. Um, what systems and habits are important to you through all of this? What systems and habits? Um, so the biggest system, obviously, is, is my bullet journal. Right? Mm-hmm. Like that is all. That is a whole method. Uh, the habits that go into every single weekly bullet journal that I've realized for me is working out, and I think I go the most nuts when I do not take the time to incorporate physical activity. I need to be balanced. If I am just working at my computer, doing um, math all day uh, as an estimator, and then writing at night, and then running storytells or, or doing uh, tabletop games mm-hmm. for people. All of those are largely sedentary activities. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get up and go for a run or anything like that, and I find the truth is, is that going for a walk or a run or exercise or something is when I'm listening to music is also when I'll get a lot of you know, ideas because yeah. my brain can just go without the extra noise. So that makes it into my journal every week, whether or not I, you know, I know, I, I know things are going wrong in a pandemic when I know that I haven't put them in as much and I haven't done them. Right. Um, so I can see that cycle of, Hey, here's when things are going good versus here's when things are, are getting a little, you know, crazy, but I've, Past experience has shown me that I will spiral out um, if I don't if I don't add that habit in. Sleep hygiene is another one that always makes it in. That's a habit right. that I, I have to keep in in order to stay sane with uh, all the tasks. And then I think every writer has the same same mantra. Even if you don't want to write, you have to sit on down and write. Write uh, every day, even if it's yeah, three right, words. You, I have every my, the project I have up on my desk right now called the Moon Sisters is just even if I didn't put anything into it that document just sits open as a, <laughs> as a 
looming, forbearing watcher, ever presently judging me on my uh, screen. That hey, you have a deadline for me. So, and, and I find it interesting uh, sometimes comparing um, freelance or independent writers versus, and you'll you'll pardon this, uh, but like professional. We work with a publishing house, publish authors. Um, my wife, obviously hmm. being the one I see most of the time, um, she like, okay, this is the day I have set aside for dealing with the project that is due to the publisher. And if I get something else done, great. But this is the thing I have to work on today. She treats it a lot more like a day job. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, ever since I, I got my first book published, I had to, I, I always took writing as seriously as I took my, uh, my, my day job. There was never, that was an easy flow right into me. Right, uh, right. The city of like, no, if you're going to do it, you're, you're going to do it. Otherwise, you just have endless words on a page that never materialize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. That, and any other habits you think that are really, really important? Sleep hygiene working out or some form of physical activity so, writing every day. Um, well, I, I guess I like in, into that take a moment every day for me to, to, to pause, to actually enjoy something that you are doing mm-hmm. and not thinking about the future or not thinking about the past where even if it's for you sitting down and just enjoying your coffee for simply the beautifulness that that coffee is right yeah and and that's um i think that's important for everybody right right Uh, but that that general habit of Mm -hmm. taking uh and you know that that comes because you eventually have to go see a therapist and the therapist is like hey you spend too much time uh (laughs) about the future uh and trying to obsessively plan over how things are going to work versus hey maybe you should talk take a deep breath take a moment and realize that you're here now. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's one of those, those habits that, yeah. That, uh, the, that the story I always tell, and I'm sure the listeners are going to just be hitting, okay, skip ahead 10 seconds, skip ahead 10 seconds. Um, is, uh, what made me do that was when the chicken showed up in my yard. You had a chicken show up in your yard. Yeah. It, uh, through a long series of events, the neighbor's chicken, uh, moved, decided that our, front garden was the place to be. Uh, we named her strong independent chicken because she didn't need no rooster or apparently a coop. She had, uh, um, there was a tragic event involving all the other chickens in their flock and a raccoon. And she was the only survivor. And so she was living in a tree and she discovered that we have this beautiful garden down here that was full of bugs and things that chickens like. And so she started showing up every day and I started hanging out with the chicken every day uh, just, you know, go out in the front and watch the chicken. And I realized that just watching the chicken, chickens live in the moment. Hmm. Absolutely live in the moment. There's no thought about the future. There's no thought about um, the horrible boss or the horrible rooster, as the case may be. Uh, it's, it's, there's very much a, I am here now, I will eat. I am here now, I will lay an egg. It's, it's not, well, it's 10 o'clock. It's time for me to go in and lay my egg and... Uh, you know, sit in the nest and make noise. Um, I, and that, of course, turned into, I now have 15 chickens, but that's another, that's, Dana can fill you in on that one. Um, but uh, uh, it, it, 
it was the weirdest thing because it's it's like a constant reminder. Take a breath. Right. I mean the right? the whole idea of having to like for me obsessively trying to plan everything that I have to do and then just getting buried under all that mire. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I set aside a time specifically to plan every Monday <laughs> or once every month to do the mm-hmm. whole thing, all of that planning part is already done. I just have to you know tweak it every week and just do a little yeah you know update. So. You know, that's that's where I learned that lesson, by the way, of if I finish my bullet journal in the week, don't race ahead to the next week. Because um, you'll just push yourself too hard. Yep. So yeah. that that's you know, that was one of my, my run ins where I was like, Okay, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, another one of my habits I guess is is definitely always uh, here's a good trick for, for, for me is always reach out to see what other people are up to. And check in on your other colleagues' work. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, because I think that I have met some people that you know I know that just sort of get lost in, in what they're doing because they're they're very busy. But reaching out and just catching up with other people that you know who are also mm-hmm. in your same field and what's going on or what are you guys doing or what things are you working. On. Sometimes I've gotten. Sometimes for people, it's not I have so much. Uh, I need to be productive. Sometimes it's people I I need things to be productive on. And when I yep. do finish one project, sometimes it is nice knowing that like, oh, these other people are out here. Hey, what are we working? Is there anything that I can work on? Yeah. So always keeping up with your opportunities of what's out there is another good one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, uh, that's a monthly habit for me. So yeah, I've, I, I incorporate review cycles as well i mean i fall back to for me it's always david allen's getting things done or uh uh the franklin covey um not seven habits not the full seven habits but like the franklin covey training they used to do Mm. with the planners and things that's uh i i fall back into that all right i'm gonna have that weekly review that that weekly moment to sit there or monthly and see what's where everything's at and do I really want to keep doing these things sort of a start stop continue cycle thing um yeah and then uh since I am remote I'm constantly reaching out to people (laughs) and sometimes I have them on a podcast which is a great excuse right right It's Um, it's like just right away. Already in this podcast, we have nerded out. We've realized mm -hmm. that we've actually probably seen each other in person and haven't realized it. Uh, You know, and I I get to find out about your podcast too. There you go. Um, How do you decide? And I think you probably have already sort of answered this. How do you decide what to do first on a given day? Gotcha. Okay. Oh, I, was, I was not, not really good. Okay. Um, so I don't know if I have a true rhyme or reason for that. I think that my list is everything that the stream of conscious flows into that list. Mm-hmm. And I will start my week just crossing off. I think whatever I feel like I know for me, mm-hmm. Monday is my most hyper productive day. For some reason, okay. Mondays are just I come into Mondays guns blazing and I will try to cross off as much on my list as I can. So I think I probably subconsciously cherry pick the easy tasks like, you know, take care of your bills, turning your time cards, you know, all of the, mm-hmm. you know, little ones. Um, sometimes though, 
And I say that, that's what I think I would do. But I also just realized that last week I wrote my Nerdist fictions first, uh, <laughs> and my Nerdist articles first. Right. And so, you know, those were the first things I wrote. So I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it. Uh, I think I leave myself that little bit of indulgence that even though I have this plan, I'm still the master of my day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I noticed there there does seem to be sort of a, a consistent, and that's it. You try to build that momentum. Mm. Yes. Right. Uh, whether it's starting with the little things, okay, I can knock all these out and and they're done, and I can move forward, or if it's the Come on, let's let's admit it. You enjoy writing that Nerdist article, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Especially that Nerdist article in particular was about Final Fantasy VII Remake. So, uh, <laughs> so there I, you go. Yeah. I was pumped. I was like, all right, yeah. let's do this. Uh, <laughs> you know, here's all these crazy Japanese games that we'll never be able to play uh, because they didn't port them over yet, but are related to the world, you know? Yeah, yeah. Unless you had... Uh, modified playstation one back in the day that doesn't boot anymore now but hey, i'm saying there were mm-hmm. ways to play them oh yeah uh, oh yeah you know <laughs> um all right what was i oh right next question um sorry i've recently started doing this as a practice for myself of not staring at the web browser with the questions open all the time mm. So there's always that moment of, all right, where was I? What was the last question? What's the next question? Oh, crap, I can't remember the next question. Wait, there it is. Um, So the next question actually is, what piece of advice um, or what's the best piece of advice you would give someone or have been given? The best piece of advice? So I guess it depends on, you know, in construction, the best thing that ever came to me was... uh, you know, one oh shit ruins a thousand attaboys. Um, oh yeah, my god! Hold on, hold on! Yeah. I gotta write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that one. Ruins a thousand. Yeah. Oh man, I am so incorporating that one into. into <laughs> so you know. So, so that, you know, that's why you measure cut or you measure twice, cut once, you know, all yep. that stuff is, is to prevent the one, oh shit, right? Yep. You know, plan what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, take, take a look at it and, you know, make sure that you do it. So that, that, that has kind of come into everyday life for me. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if, you know, and it, and it holds true for everything, right? You, uh, you save a certain amount of money in case you have an emergency. You don't mm-hmm. make financial choices that are, you know, I'm not going to impulse buy a car out of the blue. Uh, You know, like, you know, it's just all these little things that come up that all falls under Mm -hmm. that, that headline. And the um, best piece of advice that uh, I've also gotten and I've also then given to other people is a hundred percent the priority. Everybody at conventions and a lot of times there'll be people that ask, hey, I want to be a writer or I have these things and I want to do this. How do I get or how do I do this or how do you go find a publisher or mm-hmm. how do you go out and get this? And there's not a lot of talk about the publishing world uh, in the aspect of there's a lot of talk about writing your manuscript and, and things like this, but among the indie authors, not a lot of people come out and say, listen, going through the publishing market sometimes sucks and you have to fight for oh yeah or your book you have to fight for your identity you have to fight for various editors and you also have to understand that the whole process here is to create there's so many people that go involved with a book or a project before it makes it on a bookshelf and 
the amount of people behind that team is really impressive, and all of them add something awesome to the entire, mm-hmm. you know, uh, place along that that train. But at the same time, um, you have to be aware that you are working with them in a professional capacity, yep. and they have jobs and you have deadlines. And mm-hmm. you know, while it may be your book, you guys are a team. And oh yeah. It needs to be looked like that. And just like anything else, you have to remember that, hey, uh, sometimes like I had a dev editor uh, that we didn't see uh, eye to eye on the book. Um, mm-hmm. And we just had a you know conversation. He didn't, he wasn't the kind of right person. He wasn't the right fit for early fantasy. You know? To him, he didn't understand why vampires got staked through the heart. And <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, we can, we, we can fix this. Uh, and you know, so I just teamed up with a different editor and everything was mm-hmm. fantastic. But the... Um, you know, and but that guy, that editor that I had the first time, he was awesome at military stuff. So, know, yeah, you know, everybody has a different, mm-hmm. di- different framework. And so, the advice that I guess came through is when people ask this question of like, "Hey, what do you do?" Um, like, remember your priorities, right? If you want mm-hmm. to get published, uh, if you want to have something that is done, you have to go through the steps. If you're going to do something, do it right. Uh, yep. That means. You know, write your book, actually have it beta read, rewrite it again, actually have it, you know, looked by somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that it is something that you would want to read yourself. That's uh, uh, huge. Through, yeah. yeah. Go through the, the, go through all the channels, you know. Um, I know that there's a lot of ways that corners can be cut. Mm-hmm. And the truth I feel myself is that when you have your priorities in mind, you are only cutting your own, you know, corners because it's it's right. your it's your it's your creation, right? So make it as awesome as you can be, you know, shine to the best of mm-hmm. your ability. Yeah, but, and uh, and remember that every book—it doesn't matter if you're an established author, it doesn't matter if you're a new author—every book is a crapshoot. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know. So that's why just that's why that's why everybody just says just keep writing. Mm-hmm. Right, because you're gonna get rejected. I, you know, I had my rejections, right? Like that, that that happens. Um, you know, but those stories they they still live on in some capacity. Yeah, yeah. Or um, what is it? Ursula has just like this uh, sort of like this rolling mental file of things that don't fit. Maybe there's just a file with little scenes on her on her laptop. I don't know, but it's like things that don't fit. Oh, I had this idea. Nope, I got to cut it. So I'll just paste it over there and it'll fit somewhere else. Oh, I have that. Yeah. yeah that's a, yeah. that's a hundred percent a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the big thing is just remember your priorities. It's cool to, mm-hmm. to sit around and, and, you know, play games or, or watch things. But if you want to actually get something done, a project done, you have to look at that project as a whole project. And that means more than just looking at the, I'm going to write the first draft. When you sit on down and say, I want to write a book or if I want to, Build a bicycle from scratch. Uh, mm-hmm. or I want to build a computer from scratch. Oh, don't yeah. just don't just plan. Hey, I am going to go to the store and buy some parts. I'm going to put them together. You have to plan from. This is what I'm good. I'm building that computer from scratch so I can play this video game. So that means it needs to be up and running with all the software yep. installed, oh, yeah, all yeah. the updates. You know. Um, so same thing with the book. You have to plan. All right, here's where I'm gonna end up and then you just work backwards from there but mm-hmm. that means you have to prioritize your life around and if you don't have enough time for that you gotta yeah. gotta say it 
Yeah. So the the harsh advice I had was, I guess, you got to give up gaming. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I, I I had to I had to give up MMOs. MMOs I loved playing them, but I could spend hours playing with my guild. Uh, and no, I I I had my forty fifty hour a week WoW habit once upon a time. Yeah, I've replaced it with alcohol and heroin. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, although probably at this point, had I kept playing, I probably would have been less expensive. Um, anyway, that's that's no, I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Don't no, no, do drugs, that, kids. Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, mag- that's the magic the gathering hook right there. Yeah, or uh, oh god, Warhammer forty thousand. Uh, I love, I am enamored with the idea of Warhammer 40k, but I have not picked it up. I've been to the store, I've painted the minis, I've <laughs> run, uh, you know, I've, I've run games with heretics in them. Uh, there you go, yeah. You know, so I, I, I know enough about it to be tantalizingly intrigued, but I know that if I buy one freaking mini, it's all over because then next thing you know, <laughs> I, uh, so if you like the universe, and you like the setting, the novels are amazing. And oh, yeah. you can you can get the fix of you can get your 40k fix without having to invest in tons and tons of minis. Um, the Dawn of War video game franchise is also very replayable and uh, also will give scratch that itch. I, I, I did very much enjoy Dawn of War, and uh, I do the reason I know some heretics and I know some stuff is I, I have read. Uh, there's a convention out here called the Depticon, which is mm-hmm. a uh, you know Warhammer themed, uh, sort of mini themed uh, you know convention, and I started going to it just for fun because I had some friends who were into it, and then I started meeting a bunch of writers. Uh, yeah, they, oh yeah, the ones writing these books, and I was like, sweet, well, I'll check them out, and they were awesome. So. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, is writing cur- a, a currently uh, novellas for the Sisters of Battle. So Ooh, I like them. Yeah. I, I actually know what you're talking about. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, drag it back. Sorry, everybody. The, but every so often, you know, it's not going to be, be like the Dino episodes where we go for four hours. Uh, Ursula will kill me. Also, we both have to get up and work in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> let's, let's thinking of Grimdark, <laughs> um, how do you deal with failure when you miss a goal? So... Um, okay, in work, one of my like personal prides is that in 16 years, I've never missed a deadline, right? And so that's in work, but that doesn't mean I haven't failed. I've had a major bust right. where things have gone wrong. And then what happens is I usually set myself a deadline and I will endeavor to hit that deadline. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is, is something needs to be changed or something didn't work right in that deadline. And sometimes something came out that wasn't sort of usable. And I mean, just this past year, I feel like I had a big waste where I was like, I had written this 50,000 word short story, right. or my short, short novella um, mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, sort of this, uh, this you know, endeavor, this video game endeavor. And unfortunately, what, while it, seemed great to me and it passed through my editor and it even passed through the other writer that I was working with. Mm-hmm. And, and we all signed off that we're like, okay, this, this, this seems pretty good. All right, cool. So we turn it into the, the, the company and you know, the company staff 
were less than they were like, okay, well, this one wasn't as good as the other one. You know, like just some of the, the stuff didn't didn't, didn't resonate. Crash. Yeah. Right, resonate right. It didn't hit right. And you know, diving deeper into it, I you know, we eventually were able to figure out that, you know, one of they had started, they'd spun off a villain in a different series and it kind of went in a different direction. We weren't aware of some of that. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. we were able to sort of fix uh, some of that, but it caused me to really uh, look at this and go, crap, everything I have all of a sudden got paused. My entire world got mm-hmm. shifted around because this thing failed. It just wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, hey, we needed to come fix this. It was, hey, let's just scrap this book and write a whole different book instead. Oh. Um, and so it wasn't like they wanted to go back and, and fix and edit that book. They're like, this is just so far off course from where our our, our, our stuff is at. Let's, let's, like, we like your writing, so let's do this a whole other book instead. We think you would be better sitting from here. Oh. And I'm like, that is three and a half months and editorial time that were just gone. Right. And, you know, to, to, I was like, I could have been working on my own sequel. I could have, <laughs> I could have been doing you know, other stuff. So that was not a, um, that was not one that I was uh, particularly proud of. Uh, what I ended up doing, how I dealt with it after I got done with the calls and the panic and the freaking right, out and, and me talking to the other author, like, okay, this is what I, you know, mm-hmm. what do we do, you know, uh, how do, how do, how do we handle this? Um, what, what ended up happening was eventually just having to step away for a little bit, sitting down and realize what I wrote in that story that's there is still time put into something. I didn't lose yeah. any of that work. All of that work is still there. It wasn't like it was all the waste. Um, I can use it again with them. I can change something towards the end. And, and we actually just set it so that, okay, maybe, you know, next year we'll come back to this you mm-hmm. know, and we'll give some more time in the project for everything to work out. So everything is going to work out in the end, but it right. did have to take that moment of, Hey, even through that broken failure that I wasn't able to use, I actually am able to use it. Yeah. It might take some more work to, to fix it, but it's still there, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that also had to do a lot of running because, trust me, my my nerves were on. <laughs> you know. On yeah. High. No. No. Gotcha. <sighs> so, on a happier note, um, do you celebrate your successes, and if so, how? Uh, every time I successfully complete and publish a project, I mm-hmm. can get a new tattoo. Well, that's all right. That's better than me. I just have a monthly appointment with my artist. Um, but no, that's, I mean, you have, you have a plan around it. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent. Uh, so, uh, every, like everything I do, uh, if mm-hmm. I, once it's done and I mean like completely done and out in the wild. Done, right. Right. Um, at that point, and not every article like for nerds, by the because that would be ridiculous. I would be head to toe, you know, at, at this point. I, like every actual, like, I, I, I don't I know, see a I problem with this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am getting there. I'm working on it. Uh, but yeah, hey, what you don't see is that Nita ankle is completely covered now. Ooh. Nita ankle, don't uh, it. So I have, 
I have one my, for that. <laughs> I have I have one on my ribs that uh, I to this day I'm afraid to go back and get the other side done because <laughs> that first side was enough. Um, but yeah, I I celebrate my successes by uh, doing mm-hmm. things like allocating two weeks off to go play a video game, to yeah. anything on it, to go get a tattoo, um, mm-hmm. you know, to to make it immortal. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely do treasure the, you know, I have a, I have my obligatory, you know, writer's tears, you know, bottle of whiskey that, oh, you know, friends have, gifted stuff. Me, yeah. friends have gifted me for, okay, you're actually, uh, this one's done and I actually have a copy. Here you go. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I think that that stuff is success. That, that stuff is very important as well, because what it does is it actually motivates me to go out and then go back and write more. I will tell you straight up, nothing is more motivating to me to get back into the computer and write more words and do more work than when mm-hmm. I go to a convention and I've done you know panels on how to not set up storytelling or I talked with a lot of people and I had a successful con where I talked about, here's this crazy pitch about sarcastic urban fantasy and stuff. Right. And when I get done with that con, I am supercharged to just be extra productive and i have like because the whole weekend i'm immersed in it i'm thinking about it and in an exciting and fun way where i'm actually Mm -hmm. going to talk to it about people and so when i come back home it's like all right i actually have ideas about where i want to go and these other things so words just flow at like three thousand five thousand words a day easy uh after a con and i i am like pumped and that will get me to go back through my bullet journal and mm-hmm. make sure I, I add things like, Oh, that's right. I got to order audiobooks or I got to get this thing done or I want to add this thing to it. Um, so in the aspect of celebrating my success, mm-hmm. it actually keeps me more motivated to then go do more things so that the positive is feeding upon the positive. It's a positive feedback loop. Right. Yeah. Um, awesome. So, yeah. Um, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with uh, with me that you want to share with the fans or the listeners? Oh, yeah. Here's, <laughs> yeah. here's 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 one question that I always ask everybody okay. when I do because uh, I do uh, all these GM tips, right? Yeah. And I do yeah, yeah, this, yeah. What, usually when I uh, run a panel, it's, it's how to not suck, suck a storyteller, storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's about what is the worst mistake that you oh. ever made as a storyteller in a game. You're going to laugh your ass off at this. I didn't plan for the characters to take something that was just a set piece and run with that instead of what I actually had planned. Um, There was just this sort of like, you know, uh, in fairness, it's the shiny object. It, it, it is the shiny object. I had uh, uh, I was helping playtest a friend's uh, campaign early on right. with this group and their world. Um, and at this point, this group we've been gaming for uh, we've been playing this game for like eleven years. The same group, so Ooh, fantastic. Um, Most yeah. games usually go on for like ten weeks. Yeah, well, uh, we're kind of motivated, and I think we've done a really good job focusing more on characters than combat and. Uh, it helps that we've got some really creative players, um, which is what bit me in the ass, right? 
I there's this scene like just this random encounter scene you go through a thing and here's what it looks like and okay on to the next thing and they're like no 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 we're on a balcony and there's there's a dinner there's an empty dinner set down there we're gonna rappel down you're gonna what now okay and where'd the food come from and there's a door well what does the door do and it ended up with the paladin. Um, essentially using charisma to seduce the door to open. Oh, we, we've gone to that point. Um, the, nothing, no, just, yeah, uh, not, not like a sexual seduction, but, but to, to entice the door to open with positive reinforcement. Is this like a, a mimic door? Like no. A, like a living door? It's just, it was just a door. It was a stuck door. Um, it is one of the most memorable times with this group, but it was one of those, there is no way I could have planned this. Had so, to completely make it up on the fly. Improv is, is so key, at least with my gaming group, because if I overplan, I might as well just keep all of it in a shredder next to me and just say, oh, here's the plan. Zzz, oh, there it goes. Let's figure oh, out. Well, yeah, no, yeah. there's a, there's a whole, <laughs> uh, you know, one of these days, uh, you know, I'll invite you, you know, over, over, over to mine and I can, we can talk more about, about storytelling. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but cause this, this, this idea is, is Judas. I have to ask cause your players still had fun, right? Yeah, no, that, and that's, right. that's the important thing. The only times that my players didn't have fun was when I attempted to stick strictly to the scenario as I had planned it. So right there, that hits on the same point. Every time I ask this question, for mm-hmm. every storyteller, what I get back time and time again is a violation of player agency is the core aspect that gets people there. If you take away your player's agency, mm-hmm. you might as well be writing a novel at that which point you don't need them. Right. Uh, right. And, uh, you know, I have a sh- my quick similar uh, shiny trinket story mm-hmm. is all I did is the players were camping near rest. I described that one uh, tiefling girl looks down and she sees next to her a, uh, uh, a stone that is in the shape of a heart broken in half. And it says, you know, to marry love. And it's cut off in half like some, like a bandit had broken it. Oh. And that was, it was just a useless trinket, just a, a small just thing. Just a throwaway. Just a throwaway. Yeah. That became the focus of they needed to find Mary. <laughs> they, no this was it that was the campaign from that point that that was on they 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 got that ranger in there with the hounds tracking began they <laughs> they needed to track down this 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 girl it didn't matter mm-hmm. what was happening in the world that was it because just the way that the rain was you know coming down and the, the moment it seemed particularly the character that picked it up yeah yeah that was a shiny trinket gone um, oh. but it was a great story uh, the 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 running gag and or story with this group, at least the last set of characters, because we graduated the characters and we moved to a new set, because we'd been playing a long time and everybody was kind of getting a little bored or unsettled with their characters. You know how it gets. You're high level, yeah. and it, it, you know. Um, so, but one of the things they were famous for adopting things. Hmm. So, like. They were fighting a hellhound and a couple of hell knights, and um, they fucking paladin and the charisma. 
basically convinced the hellhound to give up. So they had to find a place for the hellhound. They had to rehome it for rehabilitation. Um, so yeah, that, that's not that's not weird. Uh, this D and I have this D and D for Kids group, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I run it here in Chicago. There's like 140 kids signed up for it. We teach them how to be storytellers. Right, uh, right. So ev- every adventure teaches you how to become a storyteller, uh, like one aspect at a time. But you're still playing while you you learn this. They come in, kids I've learned come in one or two varieties. They are either murder hobos to the nines. Oh my God, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they, 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 they are villains. Like at this point, I've described, I've had the entire campaign of just, you know, the world is trying to stop you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's one group. And the other group is every monster will be adopted. Everything yeah. will never be be fought. Like, like, right? We are we are on team adoption, or we are on team murder hobo. And I haven't found an in between yet. It is it it is a straight slice down the middle. Uh, when Ursula was doing school visits, when she was writing the the kids books, and they would send her out on tour to speak to kids because that's what you do. And she's talking to like third, like middle grade, like I guess right. like third through sixth or something like that. And she would go through a storytelling exercise. You know, how do you tell these stories? What's the structure? And she'd ask, now we need like a monster. And she came out shook sometimes because she's like, where does a nine-year-old learn about Slender Man? (laughs) What the hell is a Slender? Like, she's like, I don't know what Slender Man is, but we'll go with that. And then she goes back. She says, what the hell? What? No. Um, (laughs) So one of my uh, dear friends and colleagues, Crystal my, uh, Mauser, she she had the same thing where mm-hmm. they were like they were like oh she had her group and she was like I need you guys to go skin some bugbears because she didn't realize that bugbears were humanoid, and so her group didn't tell her that they were humanoid. So she had inadvertently been running an evil campaign uh, <laughs> until eventually somebody showed her a picture and she was like oh my god what have I done what have I done what have I done oh god. <laughs> so. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I always okay. always like to ask a, a gaming question, especially when I yeah I, I notice the stack of books behind you. Yeah. So. Oh no, that's that's the the other shelf that in the not quick access is where pretty much I think I've got and like I'm only missing one or two to have a complete four E set. Um, and in the attic, I have I do have a complete AD and D first edition set. So are, are, are you hardcore D&D or do you play other systems? Because I'm a big uh, White Wolf or Shadowrun oh, I, guy. I have, a, I have a large selection of White Wolf. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade was my jam when I was a young goth kid. Um, uh, but And there's the 40K stuff. Um, also, you know Jeff Noon? You know, you know Jeff Noon's novel Vert, right? Yes. You know they made an RPG out of it. I did not actually. Yeah, so I've I've got a copy of that. No one wants to play it. Um, Dungeon Fantasies up there. Iron Claws up there. Um, I was so happy. I have the Ultraviolet set for the reprint of or the the latest release of Paranoia. Oh yes, I was so happy to see that. Um, somewhere in my stuff, I have Tune. Tune was such madcap, ridiculous mm-hmm. fun. I was a big fan of uh, Deadlands and uh, superheroes, uh, or like the, the mutant superheroes, like the, the Palladium line. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, we... mm. Okay, so you and I have libraries that we could 
we could. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you have you seen Blackbeard's Bride yet? Uh, no, that's another one. You're, you're you're giving me all the new ones. Yeah, here. no. Um, I forget who did it, but it's a it's a storytelling game. It's a kind of an apocalypse uh, engine thing. But you're black. Uh, no, not Blackbeard. Bluebeard's Bride. Bluebeard's Bride. Yes, absolutely brilliant. With uh, like your player or players are brides of Bluebeard and can't go in the room. But there's all this other stuff that goes on in the house. Um, uh, absolutely brilliant system. Uh, Have you seen uh, uh, Thirteen Candles? Oh, sorry, Ten Candles or uh, Dread? No, okay. I have not. So Thirteen Candles or Dread is Dread is the system I use for for my Seventh Age stuff when I because I have mm-hmm. some some smaller Dread is you put a Jenga towel down in the middle of the table. Okay. And that's the system. Everybody has a character sheet that's a questionnaire. Just who are you? What do you do? You know, why are you in this scenario? And so mine was your four secret service agents trapped in the White House with a president who's about to get access to demonic magic. And you don't want that to happen. Yeah, that and, would be bad. That's, that's, and, uh, are we so, sure that isn't what's really going on in this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself on that one. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's why it's a horror scenario. Your imagination can run wild. Um, <laughs> and uh, so what you do is every time the players want to pull from the tower, um, every time the players want to take an action, like open a door, run from some zombies, whatever, they pull from the Jenga tower. When, mm-hmm. the, tower, when the tower falls over, that character's dead. Uh, and oh, it, interesting. It runs like a normal game, but it's designed to be a one-shot where mm-hmm. everybody, but like, usually one character is going to be alive end and what happens is as the game goes on it becomes more and more and more tense and more real and all of a sudden all the chitter chatter and the quietness <laughs> fade away and especially as you're starting to play by candlelight and lights are getting darker and darker um the 10 candles and dread are two <laughs> incredibly unique storytelling games that come out that are hands down some of my favorite games to run just for the raw immersion that they give players. Have you ever done, uh, and we used to do this, uh, I don't think we had a chance to do it this year, uh, but have you ever uh, played uh, Gingerbread Men? What, sorry, I cut up. Gingerbread Men. Uh, I have been invited to a game of that. I haven't actually been able to play. Oh, madcap. This used design your little gingerbread and the candies you decorate yourself with are actually useful items. And then it's the day you come alive and then the madness ensues. And uh, uh, the person who usually runs the game for us, uh, former guest friend, uh, Mer Lafferty, um, also author, game writer. Um, and the things she has had to put up with from us as in the gingerbread men, um, I think it, at one point at the end of one, Ursula had managed to go outside and throw herself in front of the bird feeder because her motivation was to be eaten by the birds. <laughs> and yeah, no, it, it, it gets really surreal. Um, the Warren from Bully Pulpit. Um, another apocalypse engine, but you are literally rabbits. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah the, uh, all of the, the apocalypse engine stuff, they have just a ton of oh yeah uh ton of supplemental lines uh mm-hmm. i'm actually running an apocalypse system game uh Ooh. via discord because i found mm-hmm. out that the apocalypse system game is super easy to run online if you're stuck in a pandemic and it's surprisingly <laughs> uh you know appropriate and your yeah. players don't have to roll thousands of dice so because mm-hmm. you as a gm don't have to roll dice you just ask them for it 
And so that works out really well if you have to run a game uh, internet-wise. Right uh, we're, we're big fans of Roll20. I know. Roll20 is, mm-hmm. is ace, and there's a lot of stuff coming with Roll20, and uh, like more stuff that's going to be integrated with it. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, and as, as a note, uh, Game Master, Game Master, have you seen the Elven Tower Patreon? That sounds really familiar to me, so I'm going to say no, but I, I think yes. It's, uh, that it's, sounds horribly familiar. It's, so uh, you, you'll see um, their work on uh, DMs Guild or Roll20. They're doing digital maps. And if you support them on Patreon, you end up paying like whatever it is, like a dollar per map. Oh, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. Um, but it's like a, uh, I'm like, oh my god! Here's all these great quality digital maps that I just have to fit onto our digital board, and I don't have to sit there and go, okay, we're going to have this thing, and then spend hours either building the map myself or searching for it. Oh yeah, no, I, 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 yeah. I jury rig and I shirt. like I'll yeah. even backdoor seven C maps into my D and D campaigns. And, oh yeah, you know, yeah. like there's it. A a useful map without names on it. I I don't care. It's getting yanked in. <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, sometimes it's but like I've been really happy to support this guy. I think it's guy because they're really high quality stuff, and it's just like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, no, great stuff. Um, and you can buy collections on on uh, uh, Drive Through RPG and D, which is you know, uh, or just like right there in Roll Twenty. Oh, I want that one. Um, no, that, that those websites like Drive Through RPG, the Storytellers oh, Vault for Vampire, yeah. uh, you know, DMs Guild, all of those websites mm-hmm. that you you find the supplementary content. Um, mm-hmm. There are there are some hands down amazing stuff. And so there there are some people that even like adventures, like the canon adventures, like Out of the Abyss and the main D and D Fifth Edition adventures, when yeah. they just write up the the review guide of here's tips about running this adventure um, that I learned when going through it have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredibly, incredibly oh, yeah. handy. So, but then again, at the same time, I'm a big proponent of buy the book, glance at it, figure out, okay, this is what I want to do to run the theme of this adventure. Shuck it, because your players aren't going to ignore it anyway. Uh, and uh, yeah. send them in the first adventure. <laughs> well, I mean, I, established group, we are, they, and we have a couple of people who are like, okay, how do I do that? And so we have to figure out the mechanics. So we're, we're, we are using the mechanics. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, don't worry, we use the mechanics, but the storylines. Um, oh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. For my groups, if I, if, I bought, if, I, if I grabbed a book and I bought, let's say, you know, uh, the Curse of Strahd was a great example. By the time we even got around to running Curse of Strahd, every one of my players had already run or read Curse of Strahd as fans of the system. Yeah. So there yeah. was a li- they all wanted to play it, but there's little point in me GMing that module exactly like that module is written because everybody at my table is they're all major D and D fans and they all love vampires, so of course they're going to read it. And I'm not going to be like, <laughs> "Hey guys, don't go out and read this thing that you might very much enjoy." Um, yeah. So Save it. <laughs> I'm just going to change it. I'm just going to alter mm-hmm. what's really happening and provide some fun twists. You know. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Um. Wow, oh, which right. I guess, you know, funny enough, uh, I guess we'll end on this one. My, producti- okay. my productivity tip for being a storyteller. Okay. Don't write everything out. Oh, my, God, no. My productivity tip is write down three potential endings that you see that the players are potentially going to have in your campaign. Like, just like if you have an idea for a campaign, just write down three endings. 
but don't actually like fill out the point A to point B. Um, just have the three endings down. And then those are your kind of moral guideposts over what choices players do so you can improv more between them. Yep. Because anything that you else that you put down in hyper detail might not go the way that it's planned. And it's much better to stay loose than to over obsess about your campaign. And that's, that is the problem with trying to run like uh, play, trying to play test uh, my friend's campaign. He, it was very tightly plotted and his usual player group is not, how do I phrase this? They're not outside the box thinkers quite the same way. So um, it was uh, uh, it was it was pretty obvious that this was a very different kind of it, it was designed for a very different kind of group. So this um, I got to tell you this one project I'm working on mm-hmm. uh, it's called it's called the Red Opera and I'm working on it with uh, I, I've wrote it I've written it as you say I've, and I'm we're producing it with Apotheosis Studios from this heavy metal band called uh, Dia Morte. Oh and, my God. Okay. Uh, yeah. They, they had this album and I, mm-hmm. I was, I was hanging out with the band after I listened to them and I was like, you know, you guys should turn this into a, a freaking, you have this, this, this metal opera. Mm-hmm. You should turn this into a D and D campaign. And they're like, Oh, that sounds really cool. Cause we're all going to, cause every metal head in the world is a freaking gamer. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, and they're like, that's awesome. Who would write it? And I was like, well, like I, I, I could come up with something based off your music. And yeah, uh, maybe. But, yeah. But, Yep, there maybe, and and so I did, and so what was originally to be like this twenty thousand word thing is now this like eighty thousand curse of Strahd size full campaign, and <laughs> one of the things I, I wrote it for um, was this idea that as a storyteller, it's written for the storyteller, and that, that you have these ten acts, mm-hmm. and every act, the world, the setting, everything around you changes, but it's very improv. Like um, these ten acts. They, they happen one after another, but not necessarily right after another. So if your players are doing a bunch of stuff here and then you finally, the game the game's starting to get down and you're ready to move to the next phase of the opera, you mm-hmm. jumpstart in with this next event. You know, nice. like the, the world you live in of the Shadelands is going to change as the characters sit there. So it's built, uh, designed from after all of these freaking storyteller questions that I've had with people on, Hey, wait a minute. What do we really need in the campaign book? We need need tempo beats Um, because our players sometimes want to go down and uh, investigate plates and open doors or chase off on love quests. And that shouldn't derail the campaign. The campaign should have space in there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And then when you go too far off beat, the world still got to move. Like, Mm -hmm. because these events are still happening, whether or not the players are there. Yeah. So, nice. Um, and then what was that one again? Uh, that's the, uh, the red opera. Uh, and that's being done with apotheosis studios. Okay. Uh, we're going to, we're hopefully going to come out for like, uh, I got uh, my banner and background is actually from that. Uh, the, okay. Okay. That's the, the library, but yeah, <laughs> we're, we're hoping to go. It's already written. They're doing all the art. We're doing all the layouts. Um, we're actually going to Kickstarter with it as a fully finished book rather than going to Kickstarter where the yeah. book is done. Like it's already, it's going to be, it's done already. Um, uh, that's and, yeah. That's what my, uh, my friend, uh, it is um, Sanguine games. They do iron claw Rafferty, uh, yeah. Norman Rafferty friend of ours. Um, that's what they always do. It's like, no, no, no. The book is done. You're just paying for extra art. You're just, right. you're going to get a book. 
It's just what extras are we going to be able to give you kind of thing. You know, could, could we add in some more cool sequences or some side mm-hmm. adventures and stuff like that? But yeah, uh, so that that was the big project that I was working on for the past, uh, you know, eight months, nine months of just full-time writing. And it was awesome. It is, it is awesome. I can't wait to actually like run, uh, you know, live audiences through the, through this I, campaign. Cause it is, there's nothing in D and D that uh-huh. is warlock centric. Right? No, there really is. Um, uh, so the idea is like during the shade lands where uh, warlocks rule the city. Right. Um, and so, you know, you deal with the patron. So even if you're a barbarian in the city, you actually get to see what like your, your, your party member, your warlock, what they go through when these patrons are always asking for like, you know, Oh, you want power. We'll give it to you. But you know, but you have to do stuff. But yeah, but where can we find out more about this and all the other things you do? So you can find me on Twitter uh, at CrankyBolt, um, and that at CrankyBolt handles where I post all of my geek and sundry GM tips articles or uh, any Nerdist articles or any other projects I'm working on. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also find me at Geek and Sundry or Nerdist under you know, Rick Hines. Um, my book, The Seventh Age Dawn, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, you know, various bookstores. Uh, it's sort of out there in the world. Uh, Yay! Uh, the, uh, and then the Red Opera campaign, uh, that will be coming out through Apotheosis Studios, and that should hopefully be out later this this year so all those other things they act cranky bolt and whatnot trust me i'll announce them from, oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You know, uh the the world at that point so you're gonna get a follow probably about 10 minutes after i'm sure this is saved and uh and converted properly so um okay. or rather 10 minutes after we hang up because that's about how long it takes for it to automatically change from here's your record here we've made your recording now we have to save it and and make it an audio file and stuff. So yeah. Right. <laughs> Dude, it's been awesome. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, and uh, D- Dana was absolutely right that you and I would get on because at this point <laughs> we're going to end up like, we're going to be talking more than just, just this. So we're... yeah, no. And, and uh, uh, invitations always open. Give me a shout anytime. Yep. yep. So, so. Uh, and for the uh, people at home, we'll be right back after this. Fun times. Uh, absolutely great talking to Rick. I really hope I get to see Rick at WindyCon if WindyCon actually happens. Uh, but if not this year, next year, I'm sure I'll see him. Uh, I have, if not this year, I have two trips for to Chicago scheduled for next year already. Um, one of which is a postponement of a thing I was supposed to do this year. Uh, our badge code this week is Red Opera in honor of the work that he's doing. And I am, I'm really excited about the Red Opera. I cannot wait to 
uh, I really needed to dig into it. Um, you can find out more about the badge codes, how to claim them, what they're for mm -hmm. on our website. Yep. Productivityalchemy.com. And you can also there, if you like, find uh, ways to support us. But uh, while we will happily take your money, obviously, as we have been saying for weeks now, please give to your food bank. Yes, uh, please absolutely. go. Go buy something from an artist that you like. That, yeah. Uh, they, uh, a lot of little indie artists are getting hit really hard because they can't do conventions. That's their frequently their only source of art income, and a lot of them are struggling. Uh, buy something neat off Etsy. You oh, know. yeah. Please. Please do. Please I've do. been buying garden art off Etsy. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, do what you can. Um, yes. Domestic violence hotlines can certainly use some help right now, too. So uh, They really can. Uh, and it's, it's very important. I think I, I'm really glad that we're able to, uh, promote these things, oh, yeah. uh, and we're not getting paid to do it. We're doing it because we think these are important things to support, um, your local food bank, your local, um, it, it's highly unlikely mm -hmm. that your local food bank internet is going to be paying us specifically. Right. Um, the other one I, I want to mention is, uh, support, uh, your, uh, support suicide hotline. Oh yeah, if because uh, there's uh it's it's going to be rough for some people and they're a lifeline. They really are. Yeah, and um, I'm sure they're getting hammered right mm -hmm. now. So if uh you have a way to give money to those, uh definitely. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh so I'm looking at my notes mm -hmm. for what I've got planned for the upcoming month. Um our friend Dana Frederick will be back. Awesome. Uh, my friend and absolutely amazing uh, site reliability engineer, DevOps person, Amy Toby, will be on. Cool. Uh, I am talking to a couple other returning guests and new guests for year four. I'm really excited. And uh, next week, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to wrap up year three. It's my turn in the hot seat. And uh, <laughs> woohoo! Now I will ask the questions. And that's fine. It's, it's, uh, I think this one's going to be really important because, like I've said for the last couple episodes, I think there have been some really big changes in the last year. And I'm much more excited to sort of summarize and talk about them. Cool. So, uh, on that note, uh, thanks everybody for listening. I realize it's been almost two hours and, uh, we will talk to you next week. Get out there, be safe, do your best to be productive, and above all else, uh, take care of each other. Yes. If you can't be productive, be safe. Absolutely. <laughs>